0: Yeah, Moonla! You're listening to Karakiraman Ivy, Karakiraman, the English version. This podcast talks about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. You can check out my website, karakiraman.com, for more info. I'm your host, Patra M., and this is episode 4. I hope you guys had a fabulous week. Today we're talking about the film Barricade. It's a full-length movie from Haiti. It was written and directed by Richard Sénical. You can stream it on filmhaiti.com or Amazon Prime. If you still haven't watched it yet, here's the plot. Kisa ça qui rivet? La yon qui sortit en deo. Rencontrer yon j'ai qui sorti n'ayon de famille classe moyenne port au prince qui gagne Yon de l'ambou si qui dérangeait tout n'ayon société qui traditionnelle empile. So, it's not every day that I come across a plot written directly in Creole, so I thought, why not keep it? Here's the English translation. What happens when a maid from the Haitian poor countryside meets a boy from a wealthy Paul-Prince middle-class family, unexpected and disturbing love in a highly conventional society. This film is a quote-unquote, radiography of the subtle castes chewing away Haitian society. To be a bit more precise, you need to know that the maid is called Odini and the boy is called Thierry. Thierry's family is the ideal family the father is an intellectual who wants to join the politics the mother is a stay at home is a stay at home mom I think uh, I don't think she works she runs the house like a queen she's strict with the maid she spoils her kids and she wants to control everything even her kids lives So there's the daughter Satine, who is an ordinary teenage girl. She likes going out with her friends, she likes flirting with boys, she wants to fall in love, and she's very well aware of her social status. On the other hand, Thierry, her brother, is more reserved, he's like a big care bear, who knows that there's evil in the world but he thinks love is enough to conquer everything. So I'm not about to do a review, there are already great reviews about this classic, you can listen to the Barricade episode of the Foreman Film podcast. What I want to talk about today is how this film got me thinking about how language can bring unity but also It can also divide us Caribbean people. And I'm going to take myself as an example. Can I define myself as Guadalupean if I don't speak Creole? And which kind of Creole is being promoted today? It's time for some Caribbean connection. The Caribbean Connection segment is to discuss how a movie makes me reflect on my identity as a Black woman, as an Afro-Caribbean woman and where I stand in this world. So here's a little bit of background. Barricade was the second Haitian movie that I watched. My first film from Haiti was Cafu by Bruno Mural which is also available on Amazon Prime. And I got the chance to watch it at the European Independent Film Festival of 2018. And there was a Q&A at the end of the screening. Bruno Mural was there, so I got to ask him if the script was written all in Creole. And I know what you're thinking right now. If 90% maybe 95% of the lines are in Creole in the film then it must be because they were originally written in Creole in the script. You gotta keep in mind. My question was based on the fact that in my 30 plus years of existence on this earth I had never watched a movie where Creole was the main language. So I understand that it's totally ordinary for Haitian people, but I mean to, to screen a movie all in Creole. But as someone from Guadeloupe, this was out of the ordinary for me. The few films made in Guadeloupe and Martinique are mostly in French because they're created and marketed to cater to the national audience. Nine times out of ten, Creole is used as a comic effect and it's not considered as a real language. And really, watching Kafu was an eye-opener for me about my own limited views on Creole. Until that day, I could count on one hand the film that would make Creole an ordinary way of communication. It would legitimize Creole as an ordinary way ordinary way of communication. There are of course Shugak and Ali, Rue Casnegre*, and Simeon by Ozan Palsy, and there's also Negmaron by Jean Claude Barney. And for me that's it. So *Cafou* got me realise that this dilemma filmmakers from Guadeloupe and Martinique have to deal with, you know, to film in Creole or not to film in Creole, and they usually go for the not not to film in Creole option. For filmmakers from Haiti, I didn't feel like this was that much of an issue. So when I decided to watch Barricade, I had all these questions in mind about the importance of shooting a Caribbean film in Creole and barricade does show the power struggle behind the language we use in the Caribbean. The father, the intellectual, speaks French throughout the film. French is presented as the language to maintain a distance between people, to maintain those barricades. It's the language spoken between parents and kids, it's the language the father uses to talk to the maids although he's aware that the maids are more comfortable with creole so french is like the language to affirm one's authority yet the father isn't completely disconnected from the Haitian reality and folklore as is able to say an old caribbean saying about the reason why it starts raining suddenly At the end of the day, because of the father being clearly narrow-minded and full of himself, the superiority of French over Creole is clearly all superficial. So the movie shows us this idea that some people have, French is for the elite and Creole is for the lower classes. Is the father less Haitian because he doesn't speak Creole? Does the fact that he doesn't speak Creole mean that he truly feels superior and has no respect at all for Creole? I had to sit down and think about my own situation. I don't speak Creole. I understand it. I can sing in Creole. In my mind, I'm totally fluent, but I cannot speak Creole in public. And there are many people in my case. I was born and raised in Guadeloupe, and yet I never got around to speak Creole, to learn how to speak Creole. Because I lived a few years in France, and when I came back, people, including my family, made fun of me whenever I tried to speak in Creole. It's something I can verbalize today. I can say, yes, I let their comments got the best of my motivation to learn how to speak Creole. But back then I just thought I was unworthy of speaking Creole. I thought Creole was for the strong and I was weak. Therefore, Creole wasn't for me. And now, I guess you're wondering why I didn't learn Creole in an organic way with my parents. Well, they're from the generation who grew up in the 70s and in the and in the 80s. At that time, kids were still hit in school if they spoke Creole. Just in general, Education has always been the most sensitive issue in the power struggle with the government. When enslaved people and their kids got access to the French school system at the end of the 19th century, it was to make them loyal citizens. For the government, it meant that these people, my ancestors, um, had to give up their culture. And Creole was part of that culture. And I know the origins of Creole are much more complex than just saying it was the language spoken by enslaved people, because it was not. I know, but it's not my focus here. What I'm saying here is that for generations, Creole was looked down upon. Throughout the 20th century, families, school, just any institution forbade kids to speak Creole. And the reasoning behind it was that if kids spoke Creole, then they wouldn't be able to speak French. Yeah, I know. So my parents' generation grew up in an environment that rejected Creole. Hopefully Creole also had its defenders such as Gérard Lauriette, a.k.a. Papa Yaya. He was a teacher and an activist who created his own school in the 50s. His education philosophy was simple. We live in Guadeloupe. If we want kids to have a good understanding of math, history, and any other school subject, we should use elements of their own reality to help them learn. For instance, instead of writing a math problem about apples or about the distance between Paris and Marseille, why not write a math problem about Guinée, by the way, I love Or the distance between Le Moule and Bastère. My point is, activists fought in Creole and fought Creole throughout the 20th century. And it's something that I'm fully aware of. My family never disrespected Creole. I wasn't raised to hate Creole. My family just didn't see Creole as something important to actively pass on to me. We communicated well in French, and the kid that I was back then didn't push through to learn how to speak Creole. I was lucky enough to come across teachers who were independent activists in their younger years. They helped shaping up my respect for Creole as a real language and for its historical importance. And my generation is the first generation Who really started benefiting of these fights. I graduated from high school the year the Ministry of Education officialized the academic course to become a Creole teacher, which means that those who were born in the early 2000s had the opportunity to learn Creole in school just like they were learning English and or Spanish. So, to answer my initial question about the father, is he less Haitian than the other characters because he doesn't speak Creole? From my perspective, I think he chooses to define his Haitian identity in other ways than just the language. Even without speaking it, he knows the folklore around it and that's the only way in the film he can actually connect to the rest of the sh- of the social groups. Creole, in that way, is what creates the the unity between people of different backgrounds. With that said, Barricade also shows that Creole as a language can divide. From the moment Creole entered the academic world, its grammar got standardised. Creole as its rules and some people reject this idea. They see Creole as a free language as a language that can't be written. I think it's the same debate I see floating around about Jamaican patois and barricade shows us how Creole is a multi-dimensional language. So. I joined the Caribbean Twitterverse about four years ago and I slowly eased my way into the French Caribbean Twitterverse about two years ago and every three months, and I do mean every three months, there's this debate for like two days about Creole. Last time it happened was maybe in October and in December. So yeah, I really mean it's a recurrent debate. So here's what French Caribbean Twitter argue about. Everybody agrees to say that Creole is a real language. However, some people think it can only be spoken and that people can write it. However, they feel like it. Other people think Creole, just like any other language used as a form of communication, should have standardized grammar and standardized spelling. And let's be clear, that doesn't mean one cannot invent new words. That doesn't mean one cannot incorporate new meanings to some words or expressions. And Barricade shows how Creole lives on as a full language, just like English or Spanish or German or any other language you can think of. This film shows that Creole is an emotional but multi dimensional language. So while I was preparing this episode, I went back to my episode in French and I remembered that I had mentioned how in the, in the Guadeloupian context of the early 2000s, I believed that the family interactions in Creole would have been the opposite that you see in Barricade. I didn't elaborate on that back then, but I'm going to do it here. So in Barricade, the father speak French the mom speaks speaks French but mostly Creole and in Guadeloupe, I feel like Creole is seen in two opposite ways. There's this idea that Creole is neck, meaning it's the language reserved to those who aren't civilized. On the other hand, speaking Creole when you have an intellectual background is also considered as an expression of love for the culture and of resistance against the oppressive power. So, in my mind, the same story in Guadeloupe would have had the father speaking Creole the most and the mother speaking French the most. In terms of representation, I feel like Creole in our media is more associated to men than women because Creole is the language of strength of authority. So that's why I believe the mother would have spoken Creole whenever she'd want to scold her kids. And for a lot of people growing up away from the island, their connection to Creole is only based on their memories of their parents switching to Creole to express their anger. And Barricade does have its moments when Creole is used to express anger, regardless of who speaks it. But again, As someone who grew up without seeing Creole represented on the big screen, the scenes that were more meaningful to me were those when Creole was the language to express deep suffering. And it's not suffering expressed only by old people. It's also the suffering expressed by the young generation. In a film like Sugarcane Ali by Ozan Balsim. the kids speak in Creole among themselves. But it's not like they have long discussions about what's going on in in their lives. In Barricade, Thierry and Sajin are teenagers and they speak Creole with their friends. But it's not only just when they are having fun or when they are partying. They show how the language keeps evolving and how they make Creole theirs. There's this scene when Thierry speaks with his best friend who studies abroad in the U.S. and the friend tells him about the discrimination and the racism he faces in the, in the U.S. because he's black and he's Haitian. This scene is the representation of Creole being a language of the 21st century because it shows that Creole can be used to analyze our contemporary society. Now back to my point about Creole being represented as a full language in Barricade. Creole is spoken among different groups in the in the film: the teenagers with the teenagers, the parents to the teenagers, or the parents to the maids. I think the kids never speak to their parents in Creole, so Creole is still Barricade for this. Middle class family and Odeni, the maid, is the one who creates the balance. She is actually the only character who gives Creole its full dimension as a language. S- something that's not only emotional, but something that's multi dimensional. She's from the countryside, so her Creole isn't the Creole spoken in Port au Prince. Yet, Because Creole is the only language she can speak fluently, she talks to everybody in Creole. With Odini, Creole is soft, tender and sweet. Whenever she speaks in Creole, she proves wrong every negative stereotypes I'm still hearing till this day in the French Caribbean community about how women shouldn't speak Creole. Back to my point earlier about Creole needing to have standardized grammar and spelling. Spoiler alert. Odeny can't write. So she gets Thierry to write the letter she wants to send to her mom to tell her how she's adapting to the life in Port-au-Prince. I assume Thierry writes directly in Creole the words she tells him to write, if he does, then it gives him back a superior status over Odini. The film chooses not to make the characters reflect on the situation that seems ordinary to them, but not to me. And when I say the situation, I mean the fact that that he's writing in Creole, it's not ordinary to me. Again, in a Guadeloupian context back in the early 2000s, I highly doubt that a teenage boy would have penned down a letter all in Creole with no dictionary by his side and with no hesitation. And that's probably why the current debate about how we should write Creole has yet to find a resolution in Guadeloupe. My generation, didn't get the opportunity to study Creole in school. Except for artists, what are the occasions one gets to sit down and write more than one sentence in Creole? There are not many. So to see that in in another island that a young boy can actually write in Creole just like that, Made me, made me a bit sad I think yeah because I know it's something even now I cannot do I need to have the dictionary or something and it's, it's sad it's sad but I'm okay with it and I know that now if I want to do something about it I have the tools because there's also this aspect of the problem that people tend to forget about. You cannot learn the language if you don't have the appropriate tools. So, Barricade made me realize how language wasn't the most defining aspect of my Caribbean Guadeloupian identity. And it made me realize that my approach to Creole shouldn't be just about the ability to speak. It should be also about the ability to write it properly. So I think the challenge for the upcoming generations of my island will probably be to see Creole as a way to elevate ourselves as a way to love ourselves and our history as more and more people will be able to write it because now Creole can be taught in schools. Well, we should also be careful of not creating another intellectual elite that would install its own barricades. And with that said, it's time to listen to my Caribbean soundtrack. The Caribbean Soundtrack segment is about sharing music that highlights Caribbean culture related to the overall theme of the episode. I present you three songs, but if you're inspired by the movie or by the theme, feel free to drop a comment or a song link on Twitter or Instagram. Today's theme is Haiti's social issues. I'm not Haitian and I don't think it's my place to speak about issues, I only know from the filters of what the media tells us, however, I feel like 2019 was definitely a year for the world to realize that Haiti, and when I say Haiti, I mean Haitian people, uh, were fighting hard to live in a transparent democracy. Thanks to social media, their voices could be heard. For instance, Gilbert Mirambeau, who was a writer and producer for the film Cafu, I mentioned earlier, was one of the many people who showed that Haitian citizens didn't just wait around. They want changes in their society and they want it now. And although Richard Senegal always reminds us that he started working on barricade in the early 90s and only few things have changed in the past 30 years, maybe things might really change from now on. So I grew up in this era where the media portrayed Haiti as this fascinating yet cursed island. Now, thanks to technology, I can listen to the voices of those who live the Haitian reality and I can hear the perception they have of their society. The first stop of my time machine today is 1977 with the song La mise pas douce by Toto Bissant. Marie Clotilde Bissant was born in Haiti in 1934. She was an actress and a singer. Although she spent most of her career in France and traveling all around the world, she stayed connected to her island through her music. She made it her mission to use her voice to shine a positive light on Haitian culture. Her songs were about Haitian spirituality and the life of Haitian people in the countryside. In 1979, she released the album. Um, the album was Toto Bissant chant Haiti, which means literally Toto Bissant sings Haiti. La mise pas douce is a track of this album. Apparently, the official English translation of the title is Poverty isn't sweet. I don't totally agree with it. I think Misery isn't sweet is a better st- translation for La Mise pas douce because poverty makes the song only about the lack of money. I don't feel like poverty is strong enough to reflect also the mental distress Toto Bissant also refers to in this song. Toto died in 1994 in Haiti. There should be a biopic about her. Maybe there's one in production, I don't know. Let me know if you know. Our next stop is in 1981 with the song L'agent by Timono and his and his group Gemini All-Star. Timonau's real name is Antoine Rossini Jean-Baptiste and he was born Emmanuel Jean-Baptiste. I don't know why the change of name, uh, but Timono would be the nickname for the name Emmanuel. So, okay. He was born in Haiti in 1953, and he died in New York in 1985 at the age of 31. From what I know, Timono is to compa what Bob Marley is to reggae. If you care about the history of compa, then you must know at least one song of Timono. I realized as I was listening to his albums to figure out which song to use that I actually already knew some of them. When I was a teenager, I had this neighbor. He wasn't Haitian, but he loved Haitian music. He used to play compa every Sunday afternoon from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. I mean, you knew what time it was just because the music was playing. And I mean, he was blasting compa all through the neighborhood. And no one never dared to tell him to keep it down. I I mean, I think that's how we do in the Caribbean. At the end of the day, it's just music. And we listen and we like music, so... Your neighbor wants to play music at a decent hour, then you just let him. You just go with the flow. And I realize now how big his music collection was. He could play one song today and you'd have to wait two, maybe three months before you hear it again. And meanwhile, you didn't listen to the other songs twice either. Anyway, back to Timonu. When I was a teenager I didn't know his name. I think I heard his name for the first time, maybe a little bit than a little bit more than a year ago. Manu Di Shango was telling me oh. Manu Di Shango is an artist from Guadeloupe. The opening and ending credits of my podcast are from his song Escape Music featuring the singer Yalisai. So, yeah, Manu Di was telling me about his first album, Scientific, which was released like 10 years ago now, and the song Robinet uses a sample of one of Timono's songs. So you see, Timono still has a big influence in the Caribbean. And all of this came back to my mind while I was preparing this episode as I said to myself that I should have paid much more attention when I was a teenager and that I should have asked to my neighbor about Timono. Timono's lyrics were avant-garde. He sang about the condition of the Haitian people. He sang about sexism, sexual harassment, power harassment, discrimination. This song I'm about to play for y'all is called l'agent which literally means money in creole and this song is about how money corrupted haitian society and how the young generation shouldn't let money run their world once they are in charge of the country There's an old clip on YouTube of live studio performance, I'll put the link in the description box, don't worry. There should also be a biopic about Timono, uh, there are probably biopics in the work, alright? I mean, Zouk and Compa will take over the world in the 21st century, that's why we need to have our history facts ready. So, future generations all around the world know where these music's come from. Let's hop back on in my time machine to our final stop today, the song Nouveau Generation, which was released by Michael Brun in 2019. Michael Brun, Michael Brun he's a dj and producer who was born in haiti in 1992 you know what i feel like i keep saying this but if his career keeps going the way that it is he can become someone who should make a biopic about like when you listen to how he became a dj how he was planning to become a pediatrician but decided to try to build a music career instead. I mean, there's a story to be told on the big screen here. Hey, we don't need to have only No Soka no Life or Queen of Soka. We can also have a story about a DJ from Haiti whose music celebrates his culture. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here I better wrap up this episode. So Michael Brown. Michael Brown, Michael Brown, is a DJ. Like I said, he has worked with international artists like Diplo, like Mr. Easy, like J Balvin. And he also has his own tour, music tour. Uh, it's called Bio. And the concept is to bring together Haitian artists and to give back to the audience and just to give one night uh, for the people to celebrate their culture. I'm really, really not into electronic music, EDM and all that. I'm really not. However, the fact that he can mix it with some Caribbean style and some Caribbean sound that I know Well, I can listen to it, and I like it. That's why I've been following his career for like a year now. You can imagine how hyped I was when he announced his first European tour. I bought tickets right away. I was planning to take my family to to the show. It was supposed to be early in December in Paris, but uh, it got cancelled, and yeah. I wanted it to be my last concert of 2019 because this year has been so eye-opening for me when it comes to my definition of my Caribbean identity. I got the opportunity to go to CASA's 40th anniversary concert, it was huge and but Cassav is the older generation. and artists like Mikael Brun is the new generation and I want to support them. you know I, I want us to win. And what I like about his music is that he's crossing over to the main to the mainstream scene that so many Caribbean artists don't even dare to dream of. And what's so great about it, it's it's like Toto Bissant and it's like Timonu. He's about building a legacy. And his legacy is going international from the get-go. Even if you don't like his music, you you have to respect the the hustle here. And the fact that he's he, he stays true to his culture. So back to the song Nouvelle Génération, it's featuring the Bio All-Stars, which is made of Mika Ben, Paul Bobrin, Annie Alert, Jay Perry, and Baki. And the song is about uplifting the, the new generation, the young generation. And the song is also an homage to his father's song, Nouvelle Génération, released 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. episode 4. It's the last episode of 2019. Thank you again for listening. Make sure you subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Karukeramont. Don't hesitate to share your thoughts about the episode. You can also check out my website karukeramont.com. See you in 2020. Chambérede.